Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money in the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Hello, everyone. It is a Sunday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in beautiful Las Vegas. It is going to be another great show as we've got Jake Asman of SB Nation Radio joining me in the second segment. That is going to be so much fun. As we all know, the Final Four in college basketball went down, but you know what? We had some great baseball action yesterday as well. Didn't really get any baseball questions for obvious reasons, but you know what? We did notice some things that are going down in baseball, so it is time for a new segment on this podcast. So who's streaking and who is sl- it is time for Rakers and Fakers. A team that is a Raker is the Chicago Cubs. So I hate the fact that they are now only 2-6 and six after getting a 14-8 win over the Milwaukee Brewers. They've got a bunch of guys that are mashing. Daniel Descalso came back to earth a little bit, but he's still hitting 400 for this team. You've got Anthony Rizzo, notch two RBIs for this team. Going yard for the Chicago Cubs was Jason Hayward twice. That is his second and third home run in the matter of two days. Javi Baez went yard. He now has four home runs. He's hitting 250. He's been doing sensational. And then the Milwaukee Brewers, what is a faker is right now their whole pitching staff, Corbin Burns, just got shelled in this game. He gave up seven earned runs in five innings. He just does not look like a starter right now. He's a very good guy coming out of the bullpen. This is just not his game. He is not a starter. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, Ryan Braun went deep. His third home run, Lorenzo Cain had his first home run. Eric Thames has really come alive. He now has two home runs in his last two games. Christian Yelich actually won without it, but we all know what he can do. But the Brewers have some struggling bats themselves. Jesus Aguiar hitting a buck 48. Mike Moustakis a buck 72. Travis Shaw 185. The Milwaukee Brewers are right now 7-2, and two, but you do have a couple questions with them. Something else that you have some questions with, how about the Atlanta Braves in general? This is a team that is getting off to a little bit of a slow start. I felt like they overachieved a little bit last year. 4-4 four four is being a little bit harsh, but you take a look at the starting rotation for this team. It's not good. They were able to get back Kevin Gosman on Friday, but it was Kyle Wright taking the no decision on Saturday. He went six strong innings. He gave up five hits, two runs, but both of those were home runs. And then the Miami Marlins were able to jump on A.J. Minter in the ninth inning as they were able to win this game by a count of 4-2. to two. Jorge Alfaro was the man that was providing the power for this team. He hit two home runs. He had three of the four runs driven in for the Miami Marlins. They're having a lot of struggling bats themselves. As a team, they're hitting just above two bills. 
JT Riddle's hitting 200. He's provided a couple home runs. Curtis Granderson's hitting 200. Brett Anderson, a buck 76. Neil Walker, a buck 90. But got to give this Miami Marlins team a little bit of credit. They do seem to have a pretty decent pitching staff and a team that seems to not have a very decent pitching staff at this point. How about the starters of the Boston Red Sox, who are now 2-8? and eight. They wind up losing to the Arizona Diamondbacks 5-4. And I must say... Teams that are raking, how about the Arizona Diamondbacks? Adam Jones hitting 400 for this team. He had two hits in this game. He was able to give this team another RBI as he was able to belt out a double. The Diamondbacks did not go deep in this one, but you got like what you've seen out of Dean Peralta so far. He's hitting 429. Gattel Marte is hitting 300. They've got a lot of guys that are doing a great job. He, heck, even Noah Ahmad, but... For the Boston Red Sox, they got a shaky start out of David Price. He wound up taking a no decision because the Red Sox were able to score a couple of runs before they gave it up late with their closer situation, which is so interesting. They had Colton Brewer closing out this game in the ninth inning. I have no idea why. It's not necessarily a close. It was more or less a hold, but still. The fact that you've got guys like Ryan Brazier and Colton Brewer and they're not willing to sign Craig Kimbrell is absolutely stunning to me, but... With that said, that's what they're going out there with. Nathan Eovaldi got shelled. Chris Sale seems to have a drop in velocity. We saw Velasquez and company. They're just not looking good with their starting rotation right now as they take the loss in this one 5-4. If you are looking for a little bit of an encouraging sign, it seems like Andrew Penitendi is getting things right in for this team. Mookie Betts went 0-4 in this game. Xander Bogarts did not have a single hit as well. Things not really going well for the Boston Red Sox. Things are going very well for the L.A. Dodgers, though. They get the win 7-2 in Coors Field against the Rockies. The Coors Field unders keep on cash. They have been since the start of 2018. It just feels like someone different every single day providing the power for the L.A. Dodgers. This time it was Alex Verdugo who was able to provide some runs batted in. He had both a home run and a triple in this game. Cody Bellinger had another RBI, his 17th of the year. A.J. Pollock was able to drive in two runs. Justin Turner was able to belt out three hits. Jock Peterson at the top of the lineup has been good. And this is with Corey Seager not necessarily doing great things. And Walker Buehler was able to get up off the mat after he had a rough first outing. He won five innings, gave up one earned run. Now, the faker on this team is Yimi Garcia out there in the bullpen. He has a 13.5 ERA. He gave up another run in this game, but you got to be really impressed with what you're seeing out of the 72 LA Dodgers. And for the Colorado Rockies, their bullpen seems to be a little bit of a woe. They left in there John Gray a little bit too, run, too long. He gave up five earned runs, a lot of which were late in the game, as in that sixth inning, he went out there. He gave up two earned. That was just not a good decision by. The Colorado Rockies would leave them out there as long as they did. And they've got to get their bats going a little bit as well. Trevor Story only hitting 212. Nolan Arenado 229. Mark Reynolds 200. And Desmond 100. Tapia 154. They're a team that's struggling with the bats a little bit right now. A team that is not struggling as much right now. How about the San Diego Padres? They knock off the St. Louis Cardinals, who might be a little bit of fakers at 3-5. and five. The Padres win this one by a count of 6-4. Ian Kinsler has yet to get up off the mat for this team. He's only batting a buck 67. But Manny Machado now hitting 290. He hit a home run in this game. That was his second of the campaign. I really like what they're getting out of Hunter Renfro, who seems to be getting a little bit more time out there in the outfield. He's hitting 368, three home runs, six RBI. He has been absolutely sensational for this team. Fernando Tatis Jr. was able to get a home run on Friday. He wound up following that up with a hit in this one. He's batting 250. I really like the upside of his. Fanmiel Reyes has not really been doing a whole lot for this team, but he was able to draw a walk. If they're able to get him going, it's going to bode well for them. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Michael Waka, eight walks in this game. He gave up only one run, but Michael Waka was more like, Michael Walk, here's your free pass. So I thought that was interesting. And with the St. Louis Cardinals, they've got a decent bullpen, but Andrew Miller gave it up once again for this team. Andrew Miller has been terrible the past year and a half. I don't know what has necessarily gotten into him because he was, for so many years, one of the best relievers out there in baseball. He just has not been himself recently. So I think that that's a little bit interesting. Something else that's interesting, how about the Seattle Mariners? They get another one as they just completely pounded the Chicago White Sox by kind of 9-2. Something that is a fake is the Chicago White Sox bullpen because they can't hold a stress ball if they tried. In this one, the bullpen wound up giving up four runs. Lucas Giolito in 4.1 innings gave up five earned runs, four walks, just absolutely awful. And Mike Leake actually looked good. He was a good bet on pitcher last year. Went 6.1 innings. He gave up nine hits, and that's not scattering hits. That's clumping hits, but he did a good job of being able to limit the damage, and ironically enough, even though he gave up two home runs, they were both solo home runs despite all the hits that they gave up, but you take a look at the Seattle Mariners lineup. Jay Bruce is really starting to hit. He had two home runs in this game. Those were his fourth and fifth of the season. You had Tim Beckham being able to go deep once again. That is 
his fourth of the year. Just don't have him out there in the field. He's already committed five errors, but this is a Seattle Mariners team that top to bottom just absolutely mashing right now. Domingo Santana has been sensational. Edwin Encarnacion was injured for a couple days, but he's back. Ryan Healy has some pop in the bat. Really like what you're seeing there, and that's with D. Gordon a little bit injured. And in general, we're seeing a lot of overs in the MLB right now. You just take a look at the action from yesterday. In regards to the closing line, the overs went 9-5-1. and one. So if you're going to play unders, I do suggest going first five because I've been playing a lot of overs so far this year, and what we're noticing is bullpens in general just not being able to hold these leads. We even saw it with the Kansas City Royals. They were able to have a nice little comeback against the Detroit Tigers. Looked like they were going to be able to possibly get a win as going into the bottom of the seventh inning, they were up by a count of four to two, and then the Detroit Tigers are able to hang a five spot on them. It obviously helps that Christian Stewart is able to hit a grand slam, but man, that is a team with a bad bullpen, and then the Washington Nationals as well. They were up 5-3 to three going into the bottom of the eighth inning against the New York Mets after the Mets. Bullpen themselves wind up giving up a bit of a lead, and then Robinson Cano is able to hit a home run. Pete Alonzo was able to go yard as well. So what we're noticing is that these bullpens are just highly unreliable, and it's just something that you can't really bet on. The Rays have a good bullpen, but they wound up losing to the Giants by kind of 6-4 yesterday. A little bit of an anomaly there, and what we're noticing is that there are just some of these teams that are playing a lot of under like the LA Angels. So far in their game so far this year, I believe that they've only played one over. They wind up knocking off the Texas Rangers by a count of 5-1. to one. They've got a decent pitching staff. Tyler Skaggs able to go 6.1 innings, one earned run, 5Ks in this one. And then the bullpen has actually been doing, I wouldn't call it a great job, but I would call it a very, very above average job, I guess you could say. And with the Angels, they also have no hitting right now. And Drelton Simmons, not getting out of his own way. Albert Poole seems to be maybe getting going. He had his first home run of the year. Trout one yard once again, but Jonathan Lucroy, Cole Calhoun, Smith out there at the catcher spot, Peter Borges, they're all just not doing well. Tommy LaStella as well. I mean, it's just a little bit rough, but those are some rakers and fakers from baseball. A guy that I know is not a faker, though, Jake Asman. He's going to bring the heat next. SB Nation radio host coming up right here on MLB Overtime Medic. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. We're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in beautiful Las Vegas. Good to have one of my great friends on the podcast. Jake Asman is a tremendous radio show host for SB Nation Radio. You can hear him nationally, both on the weekdays, and he does a lot of weekend work as well. He's well-versed in a little bit of everything. You may recall he made some appearances on my College Hoops Overtime Betting Podcast, and now it's great to have him on my MLB podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake Asman. And Jake, how are you doing today? Greg, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It certainly has been an eventful weekend in the sports world, so it's always fun to be with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on, and I know that you're a guy that you've covered quite a few different teams. You used to work out in New York covering the Mets, the Yankees, and everything like that. Now you're out there in Houston taking a look at the Astros, and I want to start with the Astros because they've gotten off to a little bit of a rough go of it this season. Looks like they've been getting things righted the past couple of days against the Oakland A's, but what have you been noticing with this team? Because something that I really have taken away so far this year from the Astros is that Michael Brantley just is not getting things going in the middle of the lineup. Yeah, it honestly hasn't even just been him. It's been it's just been a slow start all around for the Astros offense. I mean, they started the year on the road, right? So they go two and five to open the season. They start the year in Tampa. They ironically enough knock around Blake Snell on opening day, the reigning Cy Young Award winner, and then they lose the next three. They go to Texas. Bats really don't wake up. They lose two out of three, but you know, they returned home yesterday. They picked up a win at home in the in their home opener, which was a lot of fun to be at a sold-out Minute Maid Park, and their offense is finally starting to to wake up a bit. Brantley has had a couple hits. You know, George Springer has gone deep. Bregman's bat has woken up the last two games. So there's really no reason for concern with the Astros. We know they're loaded. We know they're a great team. It's just it was a slow start for them, and, you know, the last two nights at home, they really have benefited from that home cooking. And I don't think that they're going to be pushed quite as much by the Oakland A's as they were in the past couple years as well. The Oakland A's, Going into Saturday's action were six and five, which they've been doing a good job. I expect them to be above 500. And we've noticed the Seattle Mariners have gotten off to a white hot start as well. But I just don't think that either of these teams are necessarily going to put the pressure on them the way that they did last year. I could certainly see the Seattle Mariners being above 500 though. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I could honestly see the Mariners being the second best team in this division. 
It's certainly possible, and who would have thought that going into the year just because Seattle did so many things this offseason you know, to imply that they weren't trying to win, that they were trying to kind of blow it up and hit the reset button just a bit. It's so early, though, Greg. That's the one thing. I mean, you got to give it to at least in baseball. I always look at Memorial Day as the first day when you really could start looking at where a team is. You know, you look at that division, the AL West a year ago, the A's won 97 games. It was a phenomenal season from them. And Houston won 103, and they were challenged by the A's. But I agree with you. I don't think Oakland is going to be as good as they were last year. I thought the Angels could be a surprise team, but they got off to such a terrible start. They're 3-6 and six as we record this, but they got to just fix their pitching. That's been an issue outside of trial. No one's hitting, but it's so early, and you know the Mariners off to that 8-2 and two start. It's a nice feeling, but it's only one week into the season, but we'll see. And you know, as far as the, the Astros go, you know, the key for them is going to be they're pitching outside of Verlander and Garrett Cole, and through at least one turn through the rotation, Wade Miley was good again. You know, Colin McHugh on their opening night was really good. And the Astros back end of the rotation with so much question marks without Dallas Keuchel and Lance McCullers out for the year with Tommy John surgery. It's been really solid so far. And that has been the difference for this Astros team. We'll see what Brad Peacock could do on Sunday as he's the five starter in this rotation. But, you know, for the most part, Houston's got really good pitching. It was the bats that required. And now that's starting to kind of wake up as they get back to Minute Maid Park here in Houston. Absolutely agree with you as we've got Jake Asman joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And I know that you're a guy that you pay quite a bit of attention to both the Yankees and the Mets. I'm very intrigued by tomorrow's, I'm very intrigued by Sunday's matchup between the Nationals and the Mets. You got Zach Wheeler going on the bump for the Mets. And we've seen Max Scherzer get a little bit roughed up in his first couple starts of the year. He starts out 0-2, which I feel is almost blasphemous to say, even with a 2.13 ERA. He obviously gave up that home run in the season opener against Robinson Gano. What do you see out of this game? Because right now I'm seeing the total in some places stick down as low as six. They're obviously expecting a pitcher's duel, but something I've noticed with the Nats is for one, their bullpen sucks. And something else I'm noticing, the Mets, their bats are actually pretty darn good. Yeah, the Mets have played great. They really have. I mean, their win they had on Saturday with Robinson Gano hitting a dramatic game-tying home run to put the Mets, you know, tied with the Nationals at five apiece late in the game. That was a huge moment for him. At City Field. You know, the thing with the Nationals, Greg, I mean, their bullpen, you hit it on the head. I mean, their bullpen is, is god awful. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It is terrible. The Washington Nationals are three and four. All four of their losses, their bullpen has played a major role as to why they've lost the game. I mean, they have just been such a mess. If there's a team that should sign Craig Kimbrell, it's the Washington Nationals. Scherzer being 0 and 2, it's almost criminal because he's pitched well on both those games and he's been a tough luck loser both times out. You know, Zach Wheeler's going for the Mets. Second half of the season, Zach Wheeler, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball last year. Not a lot of people probably know that because no one watched the Mets second half of last year. They were so bad. But Wheeler was really good. He didn't pitch well his first start, but it's only one start, so we'll see what he could do in his second start of the year. It should be a fun matchup. I I agree with you, though. If you're going to, like, play a total, it's scary with that Nationals bullpen. Scherzer could be great, but he can hand it off to the bullpen after seven strong, and who knows what you're going to get. Exactly. I just find playing totals of below seven in baseball in general to be so tough because as we saw yesterday with the LA Angels, one swing of the bat, there's four runs right there. Now you need to sweat out three runs over the course of the next eight innings. And that's just some place where you just don't want to be in general. And I know that you're also a guy that you follow along with the New York Yankees quite a bit. I need to ask this. What the heck is going on with the injury situation? Because it feels like two thirds of this team is right now on the injured list. Miguel Anduar is banged up. John Carlos Stanton is banged up. Troy Tulowitzki is banged up. I think the Bat Boys suffered some sort of an, a foodborne illness. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely insane. The injuries have been the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen. I mean, no other team in baseball could deal with the amount of injuries the Yankees are dealing with. I mean, let's start from, you know, really this offseason. They're without maybe their most important offensive player besides Aaron Judge. And Didi Gregorius, to at least June or, or late June, early July, at the minimum. Didi is such an important part of that lineup. He's out. Troy Tulowitzki, his replacement, he's already hurt. What else is new? He's always hurt, but it just kind of gets tacked on to all the other injuries. Jacoby Ellsbury, no one has seen him in over a year. He's still technically on the disabled list. And then you get to the guys in the middle of the lineup, like John Carlos Stanton. He's out, probably not going to be back till May. Miguel Andujar might possibly miss the whole season. They're not sure. They're going to hope maybe he can come back in a couple months after rehab, but I have never seen anything like this from an offensive standpoint. Aaron Hicks is still hurt. He, of course, 
with someone they really like, their leadoff hitter and a gold glove caliber center fielder. And not to mention the Yankees ace, Luis Severino, he's on the disabled list as well. So, you know, you talk about a team that is beat up, the Yankees are beat up. And one more for you, arguably the Yankees' best reliever a year ago, Dallin Batances. Oh, yeah, he's on the DL, too. I have never seen anything like this. Now, the one thing that the Yankees have going for them is that their beginning of the schedule is really easy. So they could afford to play some bad teams with all these injuries, but they lost two out of three to open the year to Baltimore. They lost two out of three to Detroit. So right now they're in Baltimore to take on the Orioles. They won the first game in the series. The Yankees have to take advantage of this soft part of the schedule, build a comfort because the Red Sox are playing so poorly. Eventually they're going to get hot and figure it out. And the Yankees got to make sure that they can kind of just ride out the storm here with all these injuries and then get some guys back and then kind of be a team that can contend again. But right now, I've never seen anything like this. I've been a Yankee fan my whole life. I can never remember a year where this many important players at the same time have all gone down. Right now, all these injuries are just highlighting how important it was in the offseason that they signed DJ LeMahieu for insurance because right now he's been hitting well for this team. Going into Saturday, he was batting right around 400. You still have Gary Sanchez who was able to rake. Luke Voigt has been hitting some home runs. And hey, Aaron Judge on Saturday hit a pair of dingers. So obviously that's good. I'm just stunned that with essentially half their lineup out, that the Yankees are still generating what they are. I know it's against the Orioles these past couple days, but you really got to give it to the Yankees for making some good signings out there in the offseason. Brian Cashman, to me, is the best GM in all of baseball. I mean, when the Yankees were kind of, quote, rebuilding on the fly, they were never under 500. I mean, the least amount of games the Yankees ever won from 2013 through 2016 when was the, quote, unquote, rebuilding on the fly stage was 83. I mean, the Yankees were never the Red Sox who bottomed down in last place, or the Astros or the Cubs who had to finish in last to rebuild and get better like that. The Yankees have always remained competitive, and it's because Brian Cashman is so good at evaluating talent, and the Yankees put so much money into their scouting system and their analytics department, and they find really good players. You mentioned Luke Voigt. They got him at the deadline last year for Chase and Shreve. You're probably saying, who? Exactly. The Yankees identified Luke Boyd as somebody that could help them, and he was a huge part of their team last year. And now he's batting third in their lineup, where he was batting fourth, but now he's batting third because of all the injuries. I mean, he was the cleanup hitter on opening day. Uh, Cashman's done a great job. I mean, he just routinely finds guys that can come in and play. The LeMahieu signing made a ton of sense because he could play second, he could play first, he could also play third. Now with Ann Duhard down, he's their everyday third baseman. And You know, a lot of the Yankees' younger prospects here, like Clint Frazier and Tyler Wade, they're going to get an opportunity to play almost every day. So it's a a big chance for them to get some at-bats. And they were once highly touted prospects. In fact, Clint Frazier, if you you might remember, was the guy the Yankees received in the Andrew Miller trade at the deadline in 2016. So they're waiting for him to kind of come around and emerge as a a big-time outfielder. And he's now going to get an opportunity to play every day with the injury to Stanton and Aaron Hicks. So... You know, there are a ton of injuries, but the depth that the Yankees have, they have a lot of it, but it's certainly being tested right now. And you mentioned DJ LeMayhew. He's been great. He had another couple hits tonight. He's been a a big part of this Yankees lineup since he's had the opportunity to play every day. We're talking to Jake Asman right here on MLB Overtime Betting. You can follow Jake Asman on Twitter at Jake Asman. Does terrific work as a radio show host for SB Nation Radio. And we're talking some baseball right now. And we talk about the American League East. Looks like the Boston Red Sox are going to be able to get up off the bat against the Arizona Diamondbacks here on Saturday. This is a late game, and we're recording it as we speak. But how do you see the ALEs playing out? Because the Boston Red Sox are not really dealing with a lot of injuries. Saying Justin Bedroya, who, let's be honest here, is always hurt. You just bank on that. But you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. I feel like they might be the wild card out there in this division. The Blue Jays aren't hitting worth a lick right now, but the Rays have that great bullpen. I know that they lose on Saturday to the San Francisco Giants, but this is a team I really have my eye on. Maybe not to win the division, but at the very least to contend for the wild card. Yeah, listen, the Rays have a really, really good baseball team. I mean, they have a really good rotation. The Rays won 90 games last year. I mean, I have never seen a team that has less guys than the average fan would probably know win that many games. I mean, they didn't even have a rotation for most of the season. They were the ones who really were behind the opener. I mean, you look at the, the Rays, and the job that Kevin Cash has done, they got some really good players. And obviously, you can't overlook what they did last year. And I watched them up close take three out of four from the Astros the first weekend of the season. And it was impressive. They're good. I don't think they're better than the Yankees. I don't think they're better than the Red Sox. But I actually picked the Rays to be a wild card team this year on my preseason prediction. So I like Tampa a lot. I think they're really good. And as far as the Red Sox, you know, it's one thing to start off slow, but, you know, you start two and seven, you put yourself in a hole. There's a saying that I believe in that 
you, know, you can't win the division in April, but you can lose it. And they haven't lost it yet. I mean, they haven't even played a home game. But the more you bury yourself early on, it takes a hot streak to get out of that, right? You get hot to you know get back to around 500, and then likely you you cool off again. You can't stay hot forever. So you just eat up a lot of your season when you put yourself in such a hole. And the thing with the Red Sox is their bats will wake up, just like when we talked about the Astros at the top of this. But the Red Sox pitching has been absolutely atrocious. You know, Chris Sale has been okay, but his velocity is way down. Nathan Avaldi has looked a lot like, oh, I don't know, Nathan Avaldi up until last year, very inconsistent. Eduardo Rodriguez has been terrible. Rick Porcello has been bad now for a number of seasons since he won that Cy Young a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I mean, the Red Sox, they have question marks with their offense. There's no doubt. But I'm more concerned about their rotation because they have had now about one and a half turns to the rotation, and it hasn't exactly been very pretty if you're a fan of the Red Sox. It would be hilarious to me as a Yankee fan if they get their championship rings and their ring ceremony at Fenway and they're two and nine or they're three and eight going into that game. It would be entertaining as a Yankee fan. But, you know, that West Coast trip for them has not been pretty, needless to say. Yeah, it's not been going good. And ever since we've been doing this, the Diamondbacks just scored three runs in the matter of your answer. I'm not even kidding. Just letting you guys in behind the curtain. Yeah, they just went from up three to zero to tied three to three as we've got Jake Hasman right here on the podcast. So it's just absolutely crazy. This is good. Yeah, exactly. It's absolutely insane. And what has been a couple other surprises that you've been looking at in baseball so far this year? Because obviously I pointed out the Seattle Mariners. Detroit Tigers seem to be off to a little bit of a better than expected start. What is something that you've really noticed? How bad the Cubs have been, and it's still you know very early, but you know they were one and six. This Brewers fan loves it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You love it as a, as a Brewers fan, I should say. But yeah, the Cubs bullpen. You know, we talked about bad bullpens with the Nationals. I alluded to, but you know, I've been really like just horrified watching the Cubs. You Darvish, who was awful last year before he ended up missing most of the year with injuries after they gave him that big six year contract in the offseason. He's been bad again through two starts. So, you know, the Cubs certainly have their issues. They had their issues last year, but they were able to find a way to make the playoffs. But they have not looked good so far as the season just started. And I really have been impressed with Harper and the Phillies. I thought Harper would obviously be well-received in Philly, but it just seems like his personality is perfect for that city. And, you know, his homecoming game against the Nationals where, you know, he started 0-2 against Scherzer and then ended up with three hits, including that bomb into the second deck where there was all Phillies fans out there. That was one of the more impressive revenge games, so to speak, I've ever seen in baseball. So that was a lot of fun to watch in the first week of the season, really. And the other team that has really impressed me, we kind of alluded to them earlier, just the Mets. You know, they've been getting decent pitching. Their offense has been far better than anyone thought it would be so far. Peter Alonso's a legitimate hitter playing first base for them. Jeff McNeil, wherever they end up playing, and he's got to be in the lineup every day. He's been great, and, you know, we talked about Robinson Cano. He's had a bunch of big hits for them already. So, you know, Brody Van Wagner, who didn't exactly have the biggest budget to work with, which is ridiculous considering the Mets are in the number one media market, he did a pretty good job this offseason, and a lot of his moves so far have paid off, including extending Jacob DeGrom, who, I mean, the other night against the Marlins, he not only hits a home run, but then he goes seven strong innings and strikes out like 14 Marlins. He's incredible, and everything the the Mets have done this offseason so far so good for everyone in Queens. I totally agree with you there. And Jake, would like to close it up with this. Where can the good people out there find you on social media and elsewhere? Ah, the old Twitter, as you know, Greg. At Jake Asman on Twitter, you follow me. I usually follow you right back, or you tweet me. You will get a response if it's something entertaining or whatnot. So I love hearing from anyone that wants to interact on Twitter. The show that I do on SB Nation Radio can be listened to from 7 to 8 Eastern, Monday through Friday during the week. I'm also doing some shows on the weekend. So you follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram. All the info is there. Always fun to join you, though, man. And, you know, you got a great audience. So love to interact with the, the Greg Peterson following. That's what it's all about. Yeah, big thanks to Jake Asman for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, I give you a side and total on every game on today's MLB betting board as we touch them all. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice?
Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And we're back here in the Zuni Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Big thanks to Jake Esmond of SB Nation Radio for joining me in the last segment. And now it is that time of the show in which I give you a side and total on every game on today's betting board as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that some of these plays are locked in, some of these plays still in a little bit of wait and see mode. Anything that is not locked in going to be updated on my Twitter page at unit underscore D1, along with any changes that are made to these plays. And we're going to start in Vegas rotation order. 901-902 on the betting rotation. Washington Nationals take on the New York Mets out there in the city that never sleeps as it is Max Scherzer going on the bump for the Washington Nationals. Meanwhile, Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler goes for the New York Mets. Twelve on this one, I'm seeing a six out there with the over at minus 120 and under of even. And I'm seeing one on which the over is minus 105 and the under is minus 115 with a total of six and a half on that one. And across the board, I'm seeing the Washington Nationals laying 135 and the Mets are plus 125 in this spot. With the Washington Nationals, their bullpen has been a complete wreck. So they're probably going to lean on Max Scherzer to give them a quality outing. But we've seen Max Scherzer not necessarily be as sharp as he normally is. He took that loss in the beginning of the season against the New York Mets. He got shelled a little bit in his last start, only going five innings in that one. I do think that he's going to be able to give the team a quality start. And I'm not necessarily bullish on Zach Wheeler. I feel like Wheeler is a decent pitcher. I don't think he's anything great. We saw it in his first outing of the year. He gave up four runs in that game against the Nationals as well. Both these pitchers, I think, are a little bit prone to getting hit. I'm going to play this total over. I'm going to see if I'm going to be able to get like a minus 110 on over six. If not, I will take a even juice or plus price on six and a half. And with the Washington Nationals, they had their heart completely ripped out yesterday as they allowed three runs in the eighth inning to the Mets. Both these teams are hitting quite well. Pete Alonso and Robinson Cano were able to go yard yesterday. Meanwhile, Anthony Rendon really getting the job done for the Nationals. He's batting over 400. He's got three home runs and six RBI. Ryan Zimmerman not necessarily hitting for a great average, but he's been able to drive in seven runs himself. So I think that both these lineups are coming around. I'm waiting for Juan Soto to give the Washington Nationals a little bit more as he's been hitting right around 300, but he hasn't really been providing that pop. I like what Jan Gomes is able to do at the catcher spot as well. And then for the Mets, Brandon Nimmo at the top of the lineup has just been absolutely awful for this team. They need to get Rosario going a little bit too, but Michael Conforto giving this team a lot of production as well. I think both these teams get at least three runs, but I do think that Max Ruzer is going to be able to provide a better start than Zach Wheeler. And both these bullpens, let's face it, not very good. So for that reason, I'm going with the Washington Nationals, laying the number here, and I'm going to be taking this total over. I am right now waiting for better prices on both. Game 903-904 on the bang rotation. The Miami Marlins go to Atlanta to face off against the Braves. Sean Newcomb goes on the bump for the Braves. Meanwhile, Craig Smith goes for the Miami Marlins as the total on this one I am seeing is 8. That over is minus 120. The under is even. And if you take a look across the board, with the Marlins, you're getting between plus 152 and plus 155. If you like the Braves, you're laying 165. This is a spot in which I just have to look at the Atlanta Braves. Craig Smith has a little bit of command issues. He seems to walk a couple more guys than he should. Not necessarily a terrible pitcher, but with the Atlanta Braves, I feel like their bats are really going to start to come around. Ronald Acuna Jr. got off to a little bit of a slow start this year. Ozzie Albies and Dansby Swanson have been really doing a good job, and Nick Markakis has been doing a great job of being able to pound the ball in recent days. We're noticing the Atlanta Braves bullpen also starting to come around as well. So for that reason, I'm going to be looking at this total under. I'm waiting to see if this winds up being a case in which I'm taking under 8 at favorable juice or if I'm going to be able to get an 8.5, but I am going to be playing this total under. Now, the big question for the Braves is, what are you going to be getting out of guys like Josh Donaldson and company? Because they either have their bets all white hot or they're all super cold, which is so interesting with the Braves. And then for the Miami Marlins, the top of the lineup is just not hitting right now. Jose Alfaro at the catcher spot hitting below 200. Curtis Granderson's hitting below 200. Brett Anderson's hitting under 200. Neil Walker's hitting under 200. Starlin Castro and JT Riddle are really the only two guys that are raking for this team. Heck, Lewis Brinson 
is one of the better hitters for this team. That says it all right there. They're just not getting a whole lot of offense. The Miami Marlins bullpen has not actually been too bad so far this year, so that's why I do lead under, but I think that the Braves are going to be able to put up a couple runs, and I really like the way that John Newcomb is pitching. I actually bypassed the money line on this one, and I went run line. I locked this run line in. I was able to get plus 130 on the Atlanta Braves. I'm seeing this one ranging between plus 125 and plus 130. That is my play there, and I'm going to be on the under, just waiting to see how the juice shakes out on that under. We move on to 9.05, 9.06 on the betting rotation. The Cincinnati Reds head to Pittsburgh to face off against the Pirates. Chris Archer goes for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Meanwhile, Anthony DiScalfani goes for the Cincinnati Reds. Drawing this one at 7.5. Over and under, both shaded minus 110. If you like the Cincinnati Reds, you're getting plus 120. If you like the Pittsburgh Pirates, you're laying minus 130. I am just not a fan of Chris Archer. Chris Archer, I wouldn't doubt if he gives up only 0-1 runs with his starts. But with that said, what Chris Archer does a terrible job of he just uses way too many pitches. There's a reason why he only goes five innings in so many of these starts. It's because he always dives himself very, very deep into pitch counts. And while Anthony DiScalfani is not necessarily the Mona Lisa Vito of pitching, he actually is a pretty solid arm. Last year he had an ERA near five, but in his first start of the year this year, he won five strong innings. He had eight strikeouts. He has some command issues. He had three walks in that first start, but he does a very good job of being able to get out of trouble. And we saw the Cincinnati Reds bats finally awaken against the Pirates yesterday. They wound up losing the game five to six in extra innings, but it was good to see the Cincinnati Reds finally showing some offense after they had been shut out in each of their past three games. Joey Votto was able to get on base twice. He had two hits. Yasiel Puig had a hit. Dan Diedrich had two hits in that one. And then if you take a look at Votto, he had his first home run of the year, so that was very good to see as well. And heck, a little bit of an unlikely source of offense. Getting his first home run of the year yesterday was Kyle Farmer. That was a good sign for them as well. And then you've got Casili, the catcher, who's actually doing a decent job. And for the Pirates, they've got a couple guys that are coming around for them as well. Colin Moran at the third base spot is hitting over 360. I like the start of the year that he's been having. Not necessarily a guy that's going to drive in a lot of runs, but Melky Cabrera also hitting above 300. And then at the first base spot, they're getting a little bit of production out of Josh Bell. He's got six RBIs so far this year. So you've got a couple guys that are able to do a good job of hitting. And I think that the Reds bullpen is actually quite decent. I'm going to take a plus price on them here. I think that Anthony Scalfani is going to have a quality start. I think that the pitch count is going to catch up to Chris Archer. It's going to lead to the Pirates seeing to rely on their bullpen. And the Pirates bullpen, let's face it, just not very good. So for that reason, I'm going to be on the Cincinnati Reds and the over in this spot. And I have locked in both of these plays. 9.07, 9.08 on the betting rotation. It is going to take place at Wrigley Field North as the Milwaukee Brewers play host to the Chicago Cubs. Kyle Hendricks takes the bump for the Cubs. Meanwhile, Zach Davies goes for the Milwaukee Brewers. Control on this one is ranging between 8.5 and, and 9. If you like the 8.5, the over is minus 120, the under is even. If you like the 9, the under is minus 120, the over is even. And with the Chicago Cubs, you're getting between plus 104 and plus 105. If you like the Brewers, you're laying between minus 114 and minus 115. I know that the Chicago Cubs have really gotten off to a rough start of the year, and it's all because of the bullpen. The bullpen for them has been absolutely terrible. And Kyle Hendricks himself was one of the biggest money-burning pitchers in regards to starters in all the bigs last year. Zach Davies, I feel like, is a little bit of an undervalued starter. I remember his 2017 season. The guy was absolutely lights out. He didn't necessarily have the best year in 2018, but this is a guy that has some very good electrifying stuff. Went 17-9, as I was mentioning before, during that 2017 season. Not necessarily a huge strikeout guy, but... I think that he's going to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the ballpark. So for that reason, I am on the Milwaukee Brewers in this spot. I'm right now waiting to see how the juice shakes out because we know that a lot of public betters like to back the Chicago Cubs. We all remember the slugfest that these two teams played a couple days ago in which the Brewers won that game 13-10. We all know what the top lineup is able to provide for the Cubs with Zobras. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez is doing a great job. Kyle Schwarber off to a good start to the year. Wilson Contreras, Daniel Descalso, but you got to feel like guys like Descalso and Jason Hayward are going to fall back to earth a little bit. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, they have a couple guys that are not hitting so well for this team. Mike Moustakis, Jesus Aguiar, and Orlando Arcia have all been having rough starts of the season. Christian Yelich, Ryan Braun, and Lorenzo Cain out there in the outfield doing a great job as well. We've been seeing a lot of runs in this series, and we've been seeing a lot of runs 
whenever these two teams play in Miller Park in general. So I think that we've got to ride this total over. I'm right now trying to see if I can get some decent juice on 8.5. If not, I'm probably going to lock in that 9 at even juice. But I'm going to be playing this total over, and I'm going to be playing the Brewers right now just in wait-and-see mode on these numbers. 909, 9 down on the bang rotation. It is the St. Louis Cardinals, and they are playing host to the San Diego Padres. And Wainwright takes the bomb for the St. Louis Cardinals. Matt Stram goes for the San Diego Padres. If you like the Padres, you're getting plus 110 on this number. Meanwhile, the Cardinals, they're minus 120. If you like the total, it is 8.5, minus 110 on the over, minus 110 on the under. This is a spot where I do have to look at the St. Louis Cardinals being able to bounce back. They lose the first two games of the series, but Adam Wainwright is a good veteran pitcher. Obviously, he's getting up there in years, but the Padres, something I've noticed is that their starting pitching isn't necessarily great, but they do have a terrific bullpen, so I do think that that plays into this a little bit as well. We know that for the St. Louis Cardinals, Carlos Martinez is right now on the 10-day injured list along with Luke Gregerson. So they're a little bit thin in regards to the rotation, but Paul Goldschmidt doing a great job of being able to match for this team. He's already got five home run and nine RBI so far this year. Colton Wong has been hitting right around 400, been doing a terrific job for this team. And even though the Cardinals have not been able to win each of the past two days, they have been able to get some late runs. And they've been doing it with Yadier Molina really struggling. He's been hitting below 200. Marcelo Zuna hasn't necessarily been hitting the ball out of the ballpark either. Paul DeYoung seems to be starting to come around, but we're still waiting on he and Matt Carpenter as well. And then for the San Diego Padres, Ian Kinsler at the top of the lineup, not necessarily getting the job done. Manny Machado seems to be coming around with the bat along with Eric Hosmer and Hunter Renfro. Renfro, by the way, very underrated player. He's already got three home runs. Manny Machado went deep yesterday. Eric Hosmer went deep. These are guys that are starting to come around, but I do think that the St. Louis Cardinals bullpen has been a little bit revamped this year. We saw Michael Waka give up eight walks yesterday. I don't think that that will necessarily be the case. They had to use quite a few bullpen guys as a result. And the bullpen of the Cardinals isn't necessarily bad because they did have two unearned runs yesterday and they wound up leaving a lot of men on base or else the Cardinals would have had a good chance to be able to win yesterday. And I do think that they're going to be able to come out and they're going to be able to put quite a few runs on the board in this one while keeping the total under. So I wound up blocking in the under of 8.5 and minus 105 juice. And I'm on the Cardinals run line here. I was able to get a Plus 155 price on the Cardinals run line. I'm seeing mostly plus 150 and plus 155 out there. I think they get to Matt Stram, who in his first start of his career a few days ago looked very, very rough to say the least. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting rotation. It is the LA Dodgers in Colorado to face off against the Rockies. Chad Bettis goes for the Rockies. Meanwhile, Julio Arias goes for the LA Dodgers. Tell this one I am seeing is 10 and a half. That over is shaded between minus 115 and minus 120, which means the under is between even money and minus 105. If you like the Dodgers, you're going to be laying between 134 and 135. If you like the Colorado Rockies, you're getting between plus 124 and plus 125. This is a spot where I do look at the Rockies being able to get to Urias. He was doing a good job out of the bullpen last year, and he showed some promise a couple years ago as a starter, but we all know that he had some arm issues himself, and I don't think that he's fully back to where he was a couple years ago. Chad Bettis, not necessarily the greatest starter, but I think that he's going to be able to limit his walks in this one. We all know that the LA Dodgers have possibly the hottest bat out there in all of baseball, and Cody Bellinger. I mean, the guy had 16 RBI through the first eight games of the season. He's been just absolutely electrifying for this team. And Chad Bettis, though he had an ERA of five last season, was actually doing a very good job of being able to get wins. He's a guy that pitches to contact, which obviously not necessarily the best at Coors Field, but I think that what he's going to do a good job of is use a little bit of manipulation with his pitches. I think that he's going to be able to do a good job of being able to keep the Dodgers a little bit off balance. Kike Hernandez seems to be coming back to earth a little bit after he had a white hot start. Corey Seager is hitting right around 200 right now. Justin Turner has been in a little bit of a slump. Max Muncy hitting just above the Mendoza line along with Chris Taylor. Although Cody Bellinger doing a great job of being able to rake for the team and A.J. Pollock has obviously been a nice addition. I think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. Trevor Story seems to be getting it going right now. He was able to hit two home runs a couple days ago. That was big for his confidence. But then you've got Ian Desmond. Hampson is not hitting for this team at all. Ryan McMahon off to a little bit of a slow start as well. So I do think that this is a total that stays under. I just don't have a lot of faith in Urias and the Dodgers bullpen. I actually think that the Rockies have a bit of a better bullpen in this spot as well. So for that reason, I'm going to be playing this total under. And I'm on the 
Rockies in this spot. I've already locked in the plus price with the Rockies, and I'm currently in wait and see mode on this total, trying to see if it gets to 11. 9-13, 9-14 on the bang rotation. It is the Baltimore Orioles at home facing off against the New York Yankees. Going on the bump for the Baltimore Orioles is going to be Dylan Hess. And then for the New York Yankees, it is Domingo Herman as the total on this one I am seeing is 8.5 across the board. The over is minus 120. The under is even money. If you like the New York Yankees, you're going to be laying minus 170. If you want to take a shot on the Baltimore Orioles, you're getting between plus 155 and plus 160. This is a spot where I really do have to look at the New York Yankees. I just have absolutely no faith in Dylan S. as a pitcher. I know that he hasn't given up a run so far this year, and he's looked good in his couple appearances. I think that he's made a start, and he's also come out of the bullpen once, but this is a New York Yankees team that, even though they are bruised and battered, They've got Giancarlo Stanton, Miguel Andujar, Didi Gregorius, so many guys banged up, even Troy Tulowitzki. They have been getting some production out of DJ LeMay, who's been hitting it well so far this year. Luke Voigt entered into Saturday's action with 8 RBI. Gary Sanchez, I know he's not necessarily hitting for a lot of contact, but he's already hit three solo home runs so far this year. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, they themselves, even though their pitching is just absolutely awful, they're doing a good job of being able to hit themselves. Jonathan VR hitting over 300 so far this year. He's able to provide a little bit of pop. He's got multiple home runs. Trey Boom Boom Mancini hitting over 300 so far this year. He's really been providing some power. You've also got Rio Ruiz and Renato Nunez who are able to provide some power towards the four and five spots. Rickard out there in the outfield does a good job of being able to get on base. I will also say Chris Davis entering Saturday. Still zero hits for the season and was not in the lineup. So, oh my gosh, that guy just sucks so bad. You want to talk about a waste of money. Chris with a C Davis right there. But with that said, I do think that the Yankees have a far superior bullpen in the spot, even with Dylan Tances right now on the 10-day injured list. I do think that they're going to be able to get something out of Vermont, who actually had a scoreless outing when he went against the Detroit Tigers a couple days ago, got the win there, so I like the way that he's progressing. I just don't really have faith in Dylan Hess and the Baltimore Orioles. I am going to be on this Yankees game, actually on the run line, to be able to save a little bit of juice. Right now, the run line that I'm seeing with the New York Yankees is minus 110. I'm waiting to see if I can get minus 105 or even juice. If not, I'm just going to accept it right here. And I've already played this total over. So I'm on the over in this spot and I'm going to be on Yankees run line just waiting to see what number I'm necessarily going to get on that run line. 9-15, 9-16 on the bank rotation. It is the Toronto Blue Jays and they are going up against the Cleveland Indians. Going for the Toronto Blue Jays, Marcus Stroman. Meanwhile, for the Cleveland Indians, it is Mike Clevenger. If you want to take a shot on the Indians, you're going to be laying between minus 158 and minus 160. The Toronto Blue Jays are between 148 and 150. The total on this one is ranging. If you like the over of 7, you're going to be laying minus 125. If you like the under, that is plus 105. And then at 7.5, the under is minus 120 and the over is even money. Mike Clevenger looks like he's a little bit of an ace in the making for the Cleveland Indians. He had a very good first start to the season, and all year long last year, he was pretty good. He had a couple flip-ups during the season, but with that said, I do think that he is a very good pitcher. He's a guy that's really rising in the big leagues. Meanwhile, the bats for the Cleveland Indians have been getting going in recent days. I really like what I saw out of them yesterday against the Toronto Blue Jays. Both those teams actually entered into that game hitting below 200, and it's not necessarily the Indians having a whole lot of pop right now. Carlos Santana and Hanley Ramirez are really the only guys that have a lot of power as Jose Ramirez hitting below 200, Allen out there in center field. He hasn't necessarily been getting the job done. Jake Bowers is not a good contact hitter, but they just keep finding ways to get on base. And I will also say that it helps when you've got a bunch of wild pitches being thrown by the Toronto Blue Jays, but with the Blue Jays, I just am a little bit hesitant on being able to back Marcus Stroman. In 2017, he was absolutely sensational. He went 13-9 and that year. He had a very good ERA near 3. He was throwing some good wipeout stuff. He wasn't necessarily a guy that was getting a whole bunch of strikeouts. He was pitching a lot to contact, but he was able to keep the ball in the yard. Didn't do so much last year, but I think that the Cleveland Indians are really starting to get a bit of something going. It looks like Bradley Zimmer is going to be back for this team any day now, so that is obviously good for the Cleveland Indians as well. They just seem to have really found their bats, and I noticed that the ballpark over there in Cleveland plays a little bit different from the day to the night. During the nighttime, sometimes the ball just isn't flying out as much as it does during an afternoon game, so I do think that that lends itself to the over as well. And with the Toronto Blue Jays, 
They, I feel like, are going to get their offense going a little bit as well. Randall Gritchick already has three home runs so far this year. Freddie Galvis has been the guy that's really been getting on base. They were without Justin Smoke for a couple games, but he returned to the lineup on Saturday, so obviously that's a good sign. And I think that Brandon Jury and McKinney are going to be able to find their way on base as well, along with Lords Gurriel. These guys, man. They're just not getting on base to save their lives. you got to think that eventually the Toronto Blue Jays are going to bust out for a couple runs. And I do think that they're going to score a couple. I just think that the Indians are going to have a little bit more of an offensive explosion. So this is a spot where I actually look at the Indians on the run line, especially with Mike Clevenger going. I really like his game in general. So for that reason, I wound up locking in the run line on this one with the Cleveland Indians. That is at plus 130. And I wound up taking the over of 7.5 at plus 105. And I locked in the total as well. As we move on to the Kansas City Royals facing off against the Detroit Tigers. 9-17, on the bank rotation. Brad Keller is going to be going out the bump for the Kansas City Royals. Tyson Ross goes for the Detroit Tigers. If you like the Kansas City Royals, you're getting between plus 102 and plus 105. If you like the Tigers, you're getting between minus 112 and minus 115. So on this one, is 8.5 shaded over between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is between even money and minus 105. This is a spot where I actually look under. The Kansas City Royals bullpen, absolutely anemic. The Detroit Tigers bullpen, a little bit better, still not too good, but I do like these two starting pitchers. Brad Keller has been very good this year. Two starts so far, he's had an ERA near two, and as a starter last year, his ERA was near three. He was able to win some games in which you wouldn't think that he'd be able to win, and Tyson Ross, I feel like, is on a little bit of a redemption tour. He didn't have a good showing last year with the San Diego Padres, just didn't get a lot of help. And in his first start of the year, he wound up going five innings, gave up two runs, wasn't necessarily great, wasn't necessarily awful. He's been having a little bit of command issues, which I think lends itself to the Kansas City Royals a little bit more. So I'm going to take a shot here on the Royals. Alex Gordon has had a nice start to the year. He's hitting 300, two home runs, seven RBI. Jorge Soler at the middle of the lineup has been doing a great job of being able to get on base. He's had a couple of home runs himself. I really like his game. Whit Merrifield at the top of the lineup does a good job of being able to get on along with Mondesi who's hitting 300. So all in all, you've got a Kansas City Royals lineup that at the top is very good and at the bottom with guys like Dozier and Owings has just been absolutely awful. Meanwhile, for the Detroit Tigers, their bats have been getting going in this series. I will say that they were able to get a home run out of Christian Stewart yesterday who had four RBI. He's now hitting a buck 43, though. Gordon Beckham has a home run so far this year. He's hitting 167. Josh Harrison, not doing a very good job of being able to hit. He's hitting a buck 29, though he is drawing a couple walks. Miguel Cabrera has not been getting his act together either. Madoc is getting on base at a .095 rate himself. The bottom of the lineup for Detroit in general is absolutely awful, so I actually do have a little bit more faith in the Royals in this spot. I'm trying to see if a little bit of steam comes in on the Tigers. I'm right now in wait-and-see mode on that, but I am all about this total under. I've locked in the under in this spot, and I do think that the Royals are going to get the win. I'm just right now in wait-and-see mode on the price, especially with having Keller out there on the mound. 919-920 on the betting rotation. It is the Oakland A's on the road to face off against the Houston Astros. Brad Peacock goes for the Astros. Mike Straightfires is on the mound for the Oakland A's. Total on this one I'm seeing is 9. The under is at minus 115. The over is at minus 105. If you like those swinging Oakland A's, you're getting between plus 143 and plus 145. And for the Houston Astros, it is between minus 153 and minus 155. The Houston Astros have been seemingly getting their bats a little bit more online, but I do have a lot more faith in the Oakland A's being able to generate runs in this spot. Brad Peacock had a very nice first start to the year, and he's a guy that has a lot of starting experience himself. Before being moved to the bullpen last year, he was a starter, but Chris Davis has been doing a great job for the Oakland A's so far this year. He entered into Saturday's action with five home run. 10 RBI, not necessarily hitting for the greatest average, but Marcus Simeon has been doing a great job of being able to get on base for this team. For the Houston Astros, they haven't necessarily gotten their bats going so far this year. You're seeing a lot of guys that are hitting in the low 200s for them. You've got Jose Altuve, who seems to be riding the ship. He had two hits on Friday along with Alex Bregman, but Michael Brantley in the middle of the lineup has not been what they expected. Yuri Gurriel, eh, things haven't really gotten going for him, along with Torinos and Tony Kemp as well. Meanwhile, for the Oakland A's, you've got a little bit of a problem at the bottom of the lineup as well. Mark Hanna's hitting below 200. Kendrys Morales hasn't necessarily been raking. And then you've got Profar, who's just 
really not gotten out of his own way and Robbie Grossman having a tough time of getting on base but Steven Piscotti has been doing a good job of being able to provide some power as well and with the A's I really do like Mike Fires. he was one of the most profitable pitchers last year and he's already off to a 2-1 start with a 3 RA he does a good job of being able to limit hard contact and he actually used to pitch in this ballpark for the Houston Astros as well so he's got very good familiarity he sort of knows the lay of the land as well and we all know that for the Oakland A's they're currently without Matt Olson who's on the 10 day injured list but I don't think it's really going to affect him in this spot. I'm going to be on this total under. I do think that Mike Fires is going to be able to go out there and he's going to give this team a good start. Trying to see if I'm going to be able to get a little bit more favorable juice on the under. And I'm going to play the Oakland A's as well. Trying to see if I can get this more in the neighborhood of 150, 155. See if a little bit of Astros money shows on this one. But I'm going to be on the A's and I am going to be on the under in this game. 921, 922 on the bank rotation. It is the Seattle Mariners in Chicago to face off against the White Sox. Ivan Nova, the supernova, goes for the White Sox. Meanwhile, Wade LeBlanc goes for the Seattle Mariners. Total on this one is 9. The under is minus 120. The over is even money. If you like the Seattle Mariners, you're going to be laying between minus 102 or getting plus 100. If you like the Chicago White Sox, you're laying between minus 108 and minus 110. I know that Ivan Nova is probably the best starter out there for the White Sox, not named... Carlos Rodon, but I am on the Seattle Mariners in this spot. We saw them pound the tar out of the ball once again. They were able to score nine runs, and I think that eventually the Seattle Mariners' bats are going to start slowing down a little bit, but this is a squad that's right now averaging 7.3 runs per game. They've been doing an absolutely sensational job of being able to drive them around. Heck, Jay Bruce, their leader in home runs, is hitting only a buck 84, but he's really been coming around. Domingo Santana, four home runs, 14 RBI so far this year. Tim Beckham, not necessarily great with the glove, but he's been doing a great job of being able to get on base. OBP of .477. He's hitting .410 right now. And then for the other side, for the Chicago White Sox, you've got guys that mash as well. Jose Abreu, three home run, eight RBI so far. Yohan Mancata, two home runs, 10 RBI. He's batting right around 380. Tim Anderson has been doing a nice job of being able to provide this team with a little bit of pop, and he's been able to get on base as well. Ryan Healy is able to hit for some power for the Seattle Mariners. At the top of the lineup, Malik Smith isn't necessarily doing a great job with his average, but he's doing a good job of being able to draw walks. And Edwin Encarnacio now back in the lineup for the Seattle Mariners as well. So you've got a lot of redeeming qualities there. And Wade LeBlanc himself, not necessarily a bad starter. He got a little bit roughed up in his first outing, but was able to get the win there. And last year for this team, it was actually a very pleasant surprise coming over from the Pittsburgh Pirates. He won 7-5 with a 3.72 ERA. He was able to get quite a few strikeouts himself. And then when you take a look at the other side for Nova, he's probably the best pitcher out there for the White Sox, who have just an absolutely wretched bullpen. I'm actually going to take this total under. I'm right now trying to see if I can get a little bit more favorable juice. And I'm going to be on the Mariners as well. I'm noticing a little bit of steam coming in on the Chicago White Sox. So right now, in wait-and-see mode on both these numbers. But I think the Mariners are going to be able to get more of a 5-3 to three style win in this one. So, going to be playing the under and going to be playing the Mariners just in wait-and-see mode on these numbers. 9-23, 9-24 on the banging rotation. It is the Texas Rangers. And they are in the state of California to face off against the LA Angels. Chris Stratton goes on the bump for the Angels. Meanwhile, Shelby Miller goes for the Texas Rangers. Total on this one is 9, and it is shaded to the under. Minus 115 on the under. Over is minus 105. And if you like the Angels, you're going to be laying minus 140. If you like the Texas Rangers, that is plus 130. I joke all the time about how the worst pitcher out there in the big leagues probably has to be Homer Bailey, but is Shelby Miller too far off from that? I don't think so. This is an LA Angels team that they've been having their woes in regards to being able to hit the ball all year long, but I think the perfect antidote to that for one was being able to get off to a very nice start against the Texas Rangers yesterday. They were able to put up a nice four spot in the fourth inning in that game as they were able to get Mike Trout to go yard for a grand slam, but man, how do you back Shelby Miller in this spot? He was absolutely awful in his very brief stint with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Ever since, I would say, the summer of 2016, he has just been awful in general. And Chris Strand last year with the Giants was not any good himself. He had an ERA below 8 in his loss against the Seattle Mariners earlier this year. He wound up going in that game 4.1 innings. I believe he gave up 4 runs. He had only 1 strikeout. Guy does not have electrifying stuff, and he pitches a contact. Just not too many redeeming qualities with either of these pitchers. So for that reason, I'm going to take this total over. We all know what Mike Trout is able to do. Cole Calhoun seems to be getting on track a little bit towards the top of the lineup. Peter Borges, not necessarily a guy that's going to provide you a whole heck of a lot. 
for the LA Angels. But with the Texas Rangers, you've got a lot of all-or-nothing players. Delano DeShields Jr., just absolutely awful at being able to hit for average. Noah Mazar is a little bit of an all-or-nothing hitter along with Joey Gallo as well. You're not getting a whole lot out of Guzman, but what I do like for this team is the fact that Elvis Andrews and Hunter Pence towards the middle of the lineup have been doing a great job of being able to provide a little bit of pop and a little bit of average, and then you got Sin Chu Chu. For the Angels, I like what David Fletcher is actually able to do at the top of the lineup. He's got some good speed. Seems to do a good job of being able to get on base, but right now, Andrelton Simmons, Albert Pools, and Jonathan Lucroy towards the middle of the lineup, just not very good for this team, but like I said, you've got Shelby Miller out there pitching, and I think that that's exactly what a struggling Angels team needs to get on pace. So for that reason, I'm actually going to play this game over, and I think that the Angels are really going to be able to bust out, and I think that they're going to be able to have a big performance in this one. I wound up taking the run line here with the Angels. I was able to get plus 150 on that run line, and I locked that one in. I also locked in the over as well. So those will be my plays on that one as we move on to 925-926. Minnesota Twins are in Philadelphia to face off against the Phillies. Zach Eflin goes for the Phillies. Meanwhile, Jose Barrios goes for the Minnesota Twins. That is a fun name to say. Barrios. I will continue to say that all year long. You guys are probably going to get sick of it by the end of the year, but I don't care because we've got numbers to break down as currently the Philadelphia Phillies are between a minus 120 and minus 125 favorite. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Twins between plus 110 and plus 115. on this one is fluctuating a little bit. If you like over 8, that is minus 120. Under is even money. And then you've got an 8.5 out there as well. The 8.5 has an under of minus 120 and an over of even money. This is a spot where I have to look at the under actually in this spot. I'm right now waiting C mode to see if I can get some favorable juice on an 8.5 because right now the 8.5 is shaded to the under. But I do think that Jose Barrios is a very good pitcher and I think that he's going to be able to provide some solid innings for the Minnesota Twins. And I think that Zach Eflin is a little bit of an up-and-coming pitcher as well. Zach Eflin last year was one of the more profitable pitchers out there in baseball. A lot of it was because he was getting a lot of plus prices, but I really like what I saw from him in the first start of the year. He was able to go scoreless at his first start, so that was huge. Jose Barrios currently 1-0 with a 1-4 ERA in his two starts. We're seeing the Minnesota Twins start to get their bats going. Max Kepler was able to hit a home run in the win that they had over the Phillies by kind of 6-2 in that one. Phillies had a little bit of a power outage in that game. As for the year, the Phillies have really been hitting the ball all over the ballpark, but in that game it was really Reese Hoskins, the only guy that was able to get the power going. He had a solo home run. Bryce Harper, Gene Segura, and Andrew McCutcheon all had hits, but they weren't able to really get extra base hits. We're noticing Mikel Franco, who got off to an absolutely sensational start to the season, starting to cool down a little bit for this team. And then at the second base spot, Cesar Hernandez, probably the weak link in regards to this lineup. And JT Rio Muto, one of their big acquisitions in the offseason, also hitting below 200. And then with the Minnesota Twins, guys like Jake Cave, Jonathan Scope and company, just not really getting the job done. Andre Anza's hitting 100, so that's our redeeming quality. Byron Buxton is hitting over 300. You got to like what he's doing. But with the Minnesota Twins in general, they haven't necessarily gotten the bats going. I do think that the Phillies are going to be able to get to the bullpen once they get out of Barrios. I think that Barrios is probably going to give up two runs and I would say six innings. And then I think that the pen of the Minnesota Twins is going to get shelled a little bit. So for that reason, I'm going to play this total under. And I am on the Philadelphia Phillies run line. I am taking the Philadelphia Phillies run line at plus 165. Already locked that one in and trying to see if I could get some favorable juice on under 8.5 in this spot. These final two games are currently off the board, so all I can do is spitball my best for you. 927-928 on the bag rotation. Tampa Bay Rays are going to be on the road facing off against the San Francisco Giants. Drew Pomerantz is going to be going for the San Francisco Giants. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be going with some form of an opener. We saw the Tampa Bay Rays actually get hit around against the San Francisco Giants. They allowed six runs in that game, so that was obviously not a good sign. But with that said, the Tampa Bay Rays bats seem to be coming alive a little bit more. Andy Diaz has been able to hit a couple home runs for this team recently. He's been coming around with the bat. G-Man Choi, I like what he's able to provide in the middle of the lineup whenever he's playing because he's been a little bit more of a platoon player, which I think that is very interesting because he's hitting nearly 400 for this team right now. Tommy Pham at the top of the lineup along with Austin Meadows do a decent but not great job of being able to get on base. And Kevin Kiermeyer has been doing a better job of hitting, but Mark Zanino 
has been really, really awful at the catcher spot, to say the least. And then with the San Francisco Giants, they were able to get on track yesterday with Brandon Belt being able to get a home run, and he drove in three runs. You saw Duger be able to get three RBI as well, but this team for the year has not necessarily gotten on pace. Evan Longoria is hitting below 200. Buster Posey is hitting right around 200. Gerardo Parra is hitting below 200. Kevin Pilar is barely hitting above 100. Joe Panic is hitting just above 200. So I'm thinking if we're having anything in the neighborhood of an 8, I'm going to take this total under. I just need to see who the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be trotting out there because they had to use a lot of bullpen arms yesterday. They just didn't necessarily look strong in that contest against the San Francisco Giants as they had Ryan Stanek go two innings. Jalen Beeks went two innings. He had Yarbrough go quite a few innings. Both Beeks and Yarbrough got a bit shelled. So I'm just right now waiting to see what the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be trotting out there in regards to their bullpen before I make a decision onto a side. So right now in wait and see mode on that one. Things will be posted in the morning at June underscore 81 in regards to that game. And same will be going for 929-930. I have absolutely no idea who the Boston Red Sox are going to be trotting out there for a pitcher. I've been looking at all the reports and everything like that. I have yet to hear the postgame remarks of the manager Cora. So obviously that was going to give me a little bit more of an idea as to what the Red Sox are going to be going to in regards to pitching, but Merrill Kelly is going to be going on the hill for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And in his first career start, he didn't necessarily look terrible. I will say that he went six innings. He gave up three runs. He gave up two free passes. He had three strikeouts. This isn't a guy that's going to have stuff that necessarily blows by you, but he's not too bad. And then with the Arizona Diamondbacks, Boston Red Sox, both these teams have been able to hit. Going into Saturday night's game, Mitch Moreland had two home run and eight RBI. J.D. Martinez was hitting 350 with three home run, eight RBI himself. You've got Mookie Betts. You've got Xander Bogarts. You've got Jackie Bradley Jr. You've got a lot of guys that are able to hit. And then the Arizona Diamondbacks, we all remember the performance that they had on Friday. They were able to put up 15 runs in that game. Dean Peralta at the middle of the lineup has been sensational for this team. Gerard Dice is hitting nearly 400. Adam Jones is hitting nearly 400. He's been having a couple home runs for this team. Cattell Marte was able to hit two home runs on Friday. Noah Ahmad is hitting over 300 as well. Alex Avila is starting to hit for some power as well. This is just an Arizona Diamondbacks lineup that top to bottom has a lot of power. So if you're getting a good plus price with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I would certainly take a look at it. That's the way that I'm leaning. And I'm going to be leaning towards the over as long as you get a total that is in the neighborhood of, I would say, an 8-8.5 eight and eight and a half at 9. I might start looking at the under, but I'm thinking that we're probably going to get a total between 8-8.5 eight and, eight and a half in this spot. So that's my early leanings right now. Obviously, in Wayne C mode as to who the starter and the Pitching lineup in general is going to be for the Boston Red Sox. And that will do it for a Sunday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to Jake Asman of SB Nation Radio for joining me on this fine podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you have a big question for the podcast, tweet it in at unitarscore81. I always love talking at you guys. I will do so once again tomorrow, as I will do every day throughout the baseball season. Thank you so much for tuning in.